0: So the real winner here is just whoever, whoever owns the billboard, and has convinced both car dealerships to bid against each other because it's like, well, now that this billboard is up, like you got to spend the money. I put the billboard up.
1: It's a prisoner's now,
0: dilemma situation, and now this basically. is your problem, right? <laughs> well, is, but yeah, but then
1: it gets hilarious again because, like, as as anybody who's gone to GDC before as a developer knows you can't or throw you can't throw a rock without hitting an advertisement company, a new one. Right. Here. I wish I could throw rocks. <laughs> shenanigans. Hey,
0: everybody! Welcome to episode two ninety three of Coffee with Butterscotch, the game dev comedy podcast of Butterscotch Shenanigans. I am Seth, and I am the games programmer. I
1: am Adam, and I do web stuff. I am Sam, and
0: I am the artist. And this is a show where we talk about life, business, and working in the games industry. Today is January eighth, twenty twenty one. Dunk on everyone! Before we get started, we have a warning. This podcast will have profanity in it, so just know that that's coming. We'd also like to thank our supporters over at moneygrab.bscotch.net. Uh, we got a new recurring supporter, Consu Labs, who mm-hmm. left us a message. Been loving your podcasts for such a long time, I felt like it was time to let you grab some of my money. Keep up the great work in 2021.
1: Thanks. It was about time, and- to be honest. you know, I was I was checking the – the calendar there it's like wow they are like, this is uh I haven't seen my payment you know yeah
0: yeah uh, and we'd also of course like to thank uh, all of our recurring supporters it's uh we appreciate you guys helping us keep the mic keeping our mic tubes Luby uh, so we did, we wanted to kind of spend a lot of time on questions today just really go to town on those things um, but we did have a little Kind of exciting announcement about where we're
1: at with some studio stuff, more exciting for which, us and everybody else, but we're gonna say it anyway because <laughs> we're excited about it.
0: Well, well, yeah. So, so last year we had this, you know, we called it our Tech Debt Burndown Rodeo Circus, which was converting all of our games uh, from Bscotch ID over to Rumpus. And then, like, the minute we finished that, Game Maker 2.3 came out, which is a whole new version of Game Maker. It uh, has a bunch of new features in it and also a bunch of new
1: uh, sort of like compatibility stuff. And also broke all of our tools because all of our tools relied on the prior way that everything worked.
0: Yeah. So all of a sudden we're like, yay, we're done. We're done with uh, resolving our tech debt problems. And then Yo-Yo Games was like, did you say tech debt? And then <laughs> they more. gave us a bunch of tech debt.
1: Um, and partly it, the reason it, we needed to do it was because we, if we have to maintain our games across two different Versions of Game Maker, then that's exactly the point where you end up having like <laughs> just a tremendous amount of extra work created over time. Even though in a moment it's much easier to be like, let's well, just yeah, not, right.
0: I mean, I'm sure I'm sure some of our uh, listeners have had experiences. Maybe you've worked in a in an office, or maybe you do work in an office where they have like a Windows XP certain patch that they're running for all of their computers because they're like do not download a windows update, do not patch anything, don't download anything, don't touch anything because if you do anything with this computer, anything our entire works. system will collapse. Or people but,
1: using, you know, Citrix which required internet explorer version like 8 or below cuz I remember yep. our, our, our mom when she would have to like log in remotely to do to her remote work into cuz she had to deal with like patient information and stuff. You know, it's got to be all secure so you have to use these like so they have to use this like very specific tech to get access that's been like approved by a jillion bur- bureaucrats and they're spending, you know, a jillion dollars a year on and all of this kind of stuff. But then it's always something like use this exact ancient version of internet explorer and if you do anything else then the whole the whole thing does not the whole the
0: the the company's going under you know (laughs) if you use internet explorer 8.7 then you know the sec is going to get involved billions of dollars yeah you're done for life it's over Mm -hmm. so you're probably going to jail honestly so uh so that's you know we want to we want to avoid that situation and it's honestly it's it's pretty nice to make these these updates as sort of nerve-wracking and terrible as it is. But it reminds me a lot of moving. Like mm-hmm. if you move apartments or house or whatever – It's horrible. It's terrible. But at the same time, it's it's kind of awesome because you just – you get everything out there. Everything out yeah, in the you open. you get to and rethink and you, everything. You rethink everything. You see all your stuff in boxes and you're like, why do we have a- – why do I have all this garbage? You get to mm-hmm. reimagine a new future for yourself. And then, I mean, ultimately, you end up being the same person, just in a different house or whatever. Mm-hmm. But but there's a moment there where it's very exciting. And also, ultimately,
1: you put most of that stuff in the basement and never touch it again. Yeah, you know, exactly. Because you thought it was yeah. really important that you keep it. Yeah, yeah and basement. it wasn't. Yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. Um, but, and, and so doing these big software transitions is a lot like that, where – for us to convert from Bscotch ID to Rumpus, you know, we had to go back through all the old game code and and look at what it was doing and decide, like, do, do we need to keep this? And sometimes we're like, yeah, we should keep this. But then it ends up going in the basement, and it turns out it doesn't matter anyways. But, you mm-hmm. know. Um, so this this uh, GameMaker 2.3 change kind of started around, like, uh, October.
1: It was – I think th- it was literally, like, the week that we finished the Rumpus update. We immediately yeah. went straight into
0: the 2.3 yeah. update. And so – so we had to update all of our tools, update all of our games. Um, and then we we uh would also have to give a shout out to yo the yo-yo games team who was very receptive and and collaborated with us on um on resolving some of the sort of like edge case issues with yeah. uh, the new game maker version. Because we're
1: always it turns out we're using game maker differently than the average GameMaker maker user. And so <laughs> mm. every time we we update to anything, we're like uh, hey, Yo-Yo, here are a thousand bugs that we need to have like, immediately. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> and they're like, wow, nobody else has seen these. We're like, yeah, we've seen all of them though, like yep. immediately. So, <laughs> yeah. um, so they, they've been great uh, with, with getting, uh, getting updates out and getting those things fixed. And so we hit a point now where uh, right around, like right before we, we went for our winter break, we got these, we got all the games updated. And now finally, as of roughly now, um, all of those updates are out. So Scotch ID transition is done, GameMaker 2.3 transition is done, which means we're starting 2021 in this really nice place where we get to focus on the future mm-hmm. and not worry so much about all of this tech debt stuff. Um, so that means 2021 is kicking off with just tons and tons of time pouring into Crashlands 2, where we can focus very intensely on that, as well as now take a look at some of the tooling that we have uh, now that it's all up to date, and just work on new new tech to make things run more smoothly. Mm-hmm. Um, so very excited about that and if if you are playing Crashlands on the switch, you may know you may have noticed that it was still using bscotch ID. Um, that's because the switch version kind of got caught in that moment where we had finished the b ID transition, but started the GameMaker two point three and then it transitioned through cert. So it didn't make it, it through. Failed
1: certain, but we'd already started the two point three transition, and we didn't want to go back and like, oh, let's just fix all this stuff in a like a separate place like in the past on its own branch like we didn't want to do yeah. that. So, so three months so later you'll,
0: yeah, so you'll not. be getting the <laughs> you'll be getting the rumpus version of crash ends on the switch uh pretty soon, so uh very excited about all that stuff, and now it's it's just blue skies mm-hmm.
1: ahead we have a beautiful year,
0: yeah. Uh, All right. Are we ready for some questions? Yeah. All right. All right. Highest upvoted question from podcast.bscotch.net comes from Mimabip Gorky, who says, What's your work break strategy? How many hours do you work before taking a break? And for how long? What do you do during your breaks? Do you change the kind of work you do toward later parts of the day? And have you found that certain break activities rejuvenate you more than others?
1: Mm. I think we all have different strategies here. Mine is – is uh, the least, or at least is unstructured, so I'll I'll just go first. It's basically, if I start feeling hungry or have low blood sugar, I take a break. If at some point I'm like, I really want something to drink, then I take a break and I go get some tea or something or some coffee or whatever. Uh, And that's, my entire strategy, and then if I'm working with somebody, in particular, if, it's, if I'm working with Seth, then if one of us remembers to take a break because we haven't peed for like five hours, and one of about <laughs> to have our bladders explode, then we both go limping off into the distance to go take a break and and uh, yep. relieve our poor our poor bladders, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, that's my that's I, my whole strategy.
0: Yeah, I I got a pretty unstructured. I think strategy is maybe a pretty bold word for it, but <laughs> yeah, I think that's but, but I think there's there's something that I've noticed about breaks, which I don't know if you guys have any thoughts on this, but but I think taking a break can actually be a problem if you do the wrong thing on the on the break. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So this is the, you know it comes to the question of break activities. So I found that if you take a break and then you like wash dishes or go for a walk or like just do something that's kind of like where you're not actively focused on the, on the task that you're doing, then that allows you to kind of like churn through the problem that you're taking a break from. Um, it allows you to kind of make connections and discover things. Right?
1: Yeah, well, you don't have to have to destroy the mental model that you had previously assembled yeah. of your problem.
0: If Yeah. And if on your break you read a book or watch a YouTube video or something like that. Then suddenly you've you've completely diverted your attention to some new thing, and you will return from your break disoriented and,
1: and now it's harder ha- to get back to work.
0: And it's harder to get back
1: to work. Yeah, so I, think, I think it, you it depends on the type of work though, because I, so mine's yeah, also true with the art stuff because I like, I don't have to hold a mental model in my head because it's the models it's on, on the paper there. So I've actually found it super useful to to engage in the more distancing activities. So. Like reading a book for ten minutes or fifteen minutes. Uh, I play. I've done some uh, some of the daily challenges for Monster Train. Has been my favorite like way to take a break because uh, it's like thirty minutes tops. And I play the game so much now that I was like, it's basically an automated thing. It's kind of like doing the dishes, right? So slow to make decisions and stuff, but it's kind of fun and it loosens me up. And typically, when I get back from that activity, it's somehow easier to do stuff again, if that makes sense. Cause hmm. it kind of like fully disconnect and then get back into it. That is true.
0: So, so you have to uh, have respect for the kind of work that you're doing and, and what you're taking a break from. Yes. Cause, cause I mean, it's, it's always the case that like a break is a break, right? Like if you're a break, is you just sort of distancing yourself from the work. Um, so in all
1: respects, it's a successful break. Right. Well, yeah. <laughs> no okay. matter no matter what yeah. you do. Well, it depends on like your he, goals for the break. Because the other question is why are you taking a break? Are you taking mm-hmm. a break because like like it's it's noon and that's that's the reason? And like noon is when you take a break. Like you know, uh,
0: which I mean, any, and any reason
1: is fair, right? Like, just why are you doing it? Because that's what that's what determines <laughs> <what> success. Because <laughs> yeah, I, I you know, if it's like if your goal is to take a break and like disconnect from work completely and do something completely different, and that is the purpose of the break. Then it just is the case that for certain kinds of work, it's just going to be harder to get back, right? And like, that's an okay strategy if that's if that's the goal. Uh, my goal for breaks, though, is always to during the work day, is to is to minimize their impact on the subsequent parts of my work, and so I try to structure it around that. Yeah, I typically try. I pick activities that I know are are useful given the context of the work I'm doing. But as far as like my my break strategy, it's very similar to what i have said, which is essentially whenever a biological need. Becomes a parent, uh, then I'll go sort of take care of that. I always have, as everyone in the studio can attest, because my mug my mugs used to be visible to everybody in the studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, now they are not, luckily, because of. So they would accumulate <laughs> up to six mugs mm-hmm. uh, before yep. he'd be before he'd suddenly look down and be like, "This is a lot of mugs," and then have to yep. go, you know, take care of all. of them. <laughs> so now I typically, like when I come upstairs, I'll typically come up the stairs from any given kitchen room, bringing. At least two beverages. It's usually a cup of water. So basically something cold and something hot. A cup of water and a cup of tea. Uh and then at some point I'll try to drink one of them, it'll be empty. And then I'm like, okay, I'll move on to the next one. As soon as that's empty, then it's time to, you know, go do it again. But not uh, but not take them downstairs, but to just go oh, to no, I do, I do so actually get take two more bugs. Downstairs. Okay. Yeah. Because it's actually it's for whatever reason it's somehow easier to do it in the house than it was in the office. But um but then I think beyond that, like I I noticed – and this is actually an interesting thing from from the the holiday break that we just uh, got off, which I think my natural work cadence is actually something around like from about 10 until maybe 1 or so is like usually like an optimal time. And then uh, then there's actually like usually a a good like two-hour chunk where I just don't – like after I do one big piece of work where it's actually far better for me to go like just literally just go do something else for an extended period of time. And then uh, over the break, what would typically happen is I, is I would get back from that, anywhere from from two to you know four, and then work again until seven, or eight, and for whatever reason, like I think that's actually sort of the natural cadence I have. It's, it it's just,
0: kind of a it's like the siesta model, you know. You're yeah. gonna you're gonna work hard for a while, then you're gonna really like
1: detach, just go do some other stuff for a bit. Yeah. So actually, I do really like that model. Like it's obviously the one that I naturally fall into, and I'm just sort of. Uh, up to, up to my own devices. The rough part about that, of course, is is I think the reality is you're you have to somehow try to mesh your natural tendencies into whatever structure you have uh, for office or studio life that works that somehow like hopefully works best for for like the group on average, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, the reality is, always, is that that everyone has sort of a different way of doing things, different goals, different natural behaviors and all that kind of stuff and so you That's cannot right, like, have one system that just does work well for for everybody yeah it's like we don't we don't keep track of people's breaks we don't tell people to take lunch at certain times or whatever else the stuff we do is we start at the same time so we can get everybody oriented and then we have our stand down at the same time because we found from doing remote work that people tend to just keep on working which you know as a business you're like yeah until everyone burns out and then wants to leave after like three months so like, well, I think, I think actually it's a side effect or like that's a, that's a side effect of the, of the time to stand down. I think it's mostly that, that in the same way, the morning getting oriented and the evening also getting oriented, right. Of being like getting, getting everybody back on board. Cause I think the thing that's, that felt bad in outside of the context of an office was the fizzling out of people slowly disappearing when they were never really there in the first place. It, it just felt worse, just you know, weird. cause yeah.
0: yeah well, it, not only that, not only that, but like it, by having a very concrete thing where it says where you're sort of announcing like the the work day is done now
1: mm-hmm.
0: right then then you've you've created a an, an invitation for people to to just to to go home,
1: yeah right right yeah, no, yeah. so I mean, that's a that's a nice thing also, but I think yeah, the the yeah. original purpose for it was was not that it just it just has that really nice outcome that I think now in retrospect we're like, oh yeah, this is actually a sufficient reason to to do it um
0: yeah, yeah, yeah. Because because if you if you don't have that that ritual of declaring the workday over, then now it moves. It's it's almost like – I'm sure people have worked in companies where. Uh, where you get vacation days, but then they make you feel guilty for taking them, right? <laughs> right, and it's that same kind of thing, which is which is like, yeah, I mean, technically the workday is nine to five, but also like we're going to look very favorably on you if you stay until five a.m. instead of five p.m. Yep. You know, because you're a real hard worker.
1: Well, it's uh, the same thing with breaks, right? I mean, people tend to not take breaks for that same reason, which is yeah. crazy because when you look at the actual productive output, like it just it goes up when people could take the damn breaks they need, right? The quality goes yeah. up, pretty yeah. good, it goes up.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, there's a speed limit on, on getting good work done. Mm-hmm. Like everybody's got sort of like a certain amount of stuff that they're able to get out in a day in like a reasonable way without destroying themselves. Um, and it just kind of expresses itself differently. Mm-hmm. Uh, our next question comes from Captain Jazz. Imagine a future where jobs
1: no longer exist. Mm-hmm. What would people do with their time? Just jobs don't exist, as in like you don't get paid to do things, or there's nothing you can do anymore. Jobs. Know? I think probably my guess is it means like, there's it's no like a thing you have to do to get by. So, means. so I, th- like, I think I think we have to the universal basic income is sort of the well,
0: well we have to sort of like ex, we have to structure this future in a way that the jobs no longer need to exist right because we all all need to all the jobs it's got to be robots right but also the robots need to be smart enough that they have to make more robots and take care that robots are maintaining Mm -hmm. the other robots right right um because like we need food we need to get the food into cities you need to be able to like go to a restaurant well the restaurant needs to be entirely staffed by Robots
1: mm-hmm. and the food because there's be, no jobs right. and the food right. has to be free because we can't have money at all because if we have money now there are jobs so, so yeah
0: this is and a- if you need to get somewhere uh, then you I guess you you just a
1: robot takes you there somehow yeah right. And robots are the government because otherwise the government requires jobs so. right because that's a job
0: so, so like so we're being ruled by robots yeah and also so I guess in this in this world like everyone is just purely a consumer yeah. Um, because nobody – well, no, you, no, you, you don't have to
1: be a consumer. You can still create and share. Yeah, the point is you whatever. just can't get paid. You just can't get paid to do it. So is
0: that what makes something a job?
1: I think what makes something a job probably in this context is going to be the need to show up to something in order to survive. Well, I think it's also the transactional nature too, right? It's like, yeah. You, you, so first of all, you have to do it because you get money in exchange. Uh-huh. But also you do it at least in part – because you get money in exchange. Where if we're now at post-jobs, you can't get money in exchange, otherwise it's a job, right? And you can't have to do it, otherwise it's a job. So so that means that now every single waking moment of your life is just things you're opting into. And the world around you is structured using robots in such a way that whatever whim you want. Actually, this is not true. It could be that you don't actually get to have the things that you want. There's no way to get it with money or mm-hmm. you know, with work, right? So
0: this you know doesn't mean this? we're this doesn't
1: mean we're in a utopia necessarily, right? You know, th- all this means is that you actually, you
0: actually have to structure things in a way that people will want to do the thing that you need them to do, mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. and you have to just treat them well. But without, but without also, exchanging
1: something. <laughs> there can't <laughs> yeah. be exchange. Well, That's so this kid.
0: actually – this makes you think a lot of an MMO guild. Because, of course, uh, nobody's getting paid to run these things, but they put, like, 40-plus hours a week into just, mm-hmm. like, the organizational side of, mm-hmm. of managing these giant groups of people. And the only thing anybody's getting out of it is, like, digital in-game achievement, you know, check marks.
1: Um, I think this is true for a lot of online communities and content, right? Is that is that most of these things are fandoms or any of this kind of stuff. It's all community run. Yeah. And, and no one's getting paid and, and no one has to do it, you know? Yeah.
0: And there's like this one guy who's responsible for most of Wikipedia. You know? I don't know if mm-hmm. you guys knew that. <laughs> yep. uh, yeah. So I, I think – because imagine like what if you wanted to go to space? If you wanted to go to space in this world where there's no jobs, mm-hmm. right? So you would have to acquire all the materials to build the rocket. You would have to convince enough people to design it. And coordinate the mission, et cetera, et cetera. But all of this would have to be done purely by people
1: who just want to do it,
0: who just are pumped about the idea and just want to do it and got nothing else
1: going on. But I guess this is is what I think is the interesting thing. It doesn't seem like too much of a leap for me, which is that, uh, I think, I, I think, I think, I think a lot of the stuff that people do, they would still do. Yeah. Because well, this actually comes back to people. the like, of, yeah, You're not it's I, about the idea of bullshit jobs. Is yeah. what this question is really about, right? Because, because I think because yeah, at at root, this is a question about universal basic income, which I am all for, and what humanity is all about, which like believe doing it or not, stuff. People have been around doing stuff far longer than there was an economy paying you for it yep. in any sort of meaningful way, right? So, and we, we are jobs. programmed to do cool stuff and to create stuff and whatever else. Yeah, it's just this bullshit jobs question, which is a job. To me, that's what a job is. Which yeah, is- but I think,
0: I think the hard part comes when trying to – like if we if we move away from this like robot world, right, which is like, okay, let's say it's today. We don't have sophisticated robots to take care of everything. Um, money is not a motivator because people just do the things that they want to do, right? Sure. Um, so, so, I mean, there are a lot of jobs that are super dangerous and super hard and the big reason that people will do them is just because they they need the paycheck and the pay and the money's good enough yeah. know, to to compensate for that. So maybe that's something like you know mining coal or you know something that's just like real fucking hard. But the and, thing is
1: when you look at the these jobs that actually are dangerous or jobs that people don't want to do the pay does not is not match up with that actually like in terms of I don't know one wants to do it but also the pay doesn't make up for the amount of People don't want to do it. If that makes sense, like oh yeah, no, people well, are underpaid generally in those in those jobs, right? People are generally under underpaid, but it's actually it's a, a lot it's of those a, jobs pay quite well actually for because it's either that there aren't any other jobs in the area, right? So this is just like your option, this is what you do, right? yeah. Um, but it's that it's that they do pay enough because because if people have other op- options, you know, they're not going to choose the. They're not going to choose the <laughs> the one that kills you, right? Uh, and so they don't have other options for some reason. That's either because there just literally aren't any, right, or because uh, this is the most viable one based on the you know the compensation mechanism, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So can you have can you because yeah because because not having jobs doesn't mean there's no compensation. It just means that compensation isn't required. Currency. It's not like so.
0: So, okay. So a job is basically defined as like something you have to do for money, something you have to do to to get by,
1: mm-hmm.
0: which is very different from work,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Yeah. So the idea is then if you have a, a universal basic income where everybody gets at least enough money that they don't have to worry about whether they're going to get by,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Uh, I don't know. I, I – People but now if you still like, want, if you, but now if you want more, you still have to do a job. You still have to go do a job, yeah, because the you know the hedonic treadmill is real. Yeah. Like you're gonna you're gonna be like, yes, I do have food and shelter and safety and healthcare and stuff like that, but also like I do want a, some really nice boots, you know, mm-hmm. like I want more than just
1: what I have because I'm a person. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. So th- Yeah. There's can- a huge difference between jobs not existing and you not having. To do a job
0: yeah because you're because you needing to do a job is is at some point in this world going to be commensurate with what your goals are which are always increasing because mm-hmm. you're a, a person
1: you know yeah, yeah. I, don't yeah think there's I, a, I don't think there's a universe where jobs don't exist i don't think that's a thing yeah i think it, it would just be the case that even if your needs are all met i think people your wants will like doing all, stuff yeah yeah, yeah and you always want more stuff so like
0: well, not only that, but like I've seen countless times where somebody who is highly qualified in a competitive field um, ends up sticking around at a job that they actually hate, just because of like maybe the money is good enough, maybe and they they don't need it, you know, because mm-hmm. they're they're in a very high paying job or something. But like, and if they change to another to another office or something else, maybe they take a slight pay cut. It'd be a much better environment, but they just don't. Because also like they've got a few friends there that they don't want to abandon oh, like, gravity, there's, a, yeah. there's a lot of reasons why why people like stick around uh at a at a job that they actually don't enjoy they don't even necessarily have to do with with money yeah right like mm-hmm. people are sticky they they kind of get into a thing and they just kind of stay there for a while
1: mm-hmm.
0: uh so I don't know yeah yeah I think, people I are think there weird. is no
1: world where whether are no jobs unless we live in a an AI and robot led utopia where all of our needs can always be met and we're all basically the equivalent of hedonic bajillionaires of today, right? I think like that's the world in which jobs don't exist. The world in which you jobs aren't required is now like universal basic income that is sufficient for you to have a decent quality of life, right? And not worry about your future. Uh, and in that world now, the question is like, then what do you do, right? Because now you don't have to do anything. Uh, and I think I think Sam was right, which is people will still do stuff. Like there will yeah, be I some think, people, of course, always that are just like this is sufficient for me,
0: and they'll and they'll still do stuff that they don't like because there's a difference between like having what you need to get by and having what you need in order to meet some predefined sort of idea of what you want your life to be, you know. Mm-hmm. And and oftentimes that comes down to money, so so you'll you'll have you'll have a uh, people in these very high paying uh, professions. Maybe we're talking like dentists, lawyers, you know, whatever. Where, uh, where, yeah, you know, their compensation is great, but also a lot of them are, have a really bad time, and they like work really most bad of their lives. Actually, yeah, um, yeah, where like where the. The stress of of that kind of work is just a lot, and people uh, people have have a lot of issues with it, you know. But they'll just keep doing it because they want the money, <laughs> uh, and and they've they've decided that having having that like having that money at that high of a level is what they need in order to you know achieve some yeah.
1: Because it's actually yeah, other, I mean, other. I think moves, what you're saying it. is basically that there are like once you get out of of uh, like out of like the middle class kind of level where the future is always uncertain and all that kind of stuff. Right. That once you get beyond that, those people who are there already are basically doing optional jobs. Right. Because
0: they don't need as much as they have. You, mean, you don't you need mean they're doing they have.
1: Right. Yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. But they will keep doing but it. They will. Despite, it. despite how hard it is for them and how bad it is for their health and their mental health and everything else because they want it. Yeah, they want <laughs> they want the outcome. Yeah, so those, uh, those are the answers, I
1: guess. In short, uh, <laughs> you can't have no jobs unless we have benevolent robot AIs, or unless they're not benevolent and now our lives just suck. That's the other possibility.
0: Yeah. Uh, people can never be satisfied. Yeah. Uh, yeah,
1: or or if you didn't have to have jobs, it would look exactly like it does today, but we would just have people would be happier and more comfortable and healthier. Everything would be great, and then there would still be a bunch of people who have a fuckload of money because you know because capital people. Is.
0: uh, next question comes from butterscotch atheist who says I hate seeing advertisements same but but I also understand that they're on some level a fundamental part of capitalism what's your relationship with advertising do you have any contradictory ideologies like this so Mm. I personally I've gone I've gone all over the map on this over the over my time as a so obviously as a consumer I hate them I hate seeing them. Right? Yeah, well, I was going to say which which part because I they're think just in the they're just in the way. Like I'm, I want to I want to see a thing, but I don't, a, I don't get to see that instead.
1: I don't get to see that thing. A, it's, a it's a constant, constant bait and switch, you know.
0: Yeah, and I and I've often thought about that about the the places where we've allowed advertisement to to creep. Like, hey, have you guys ever tried to read any article on your phone?
1: Oh yeah, it's a nightmare.
0: Because it's always like here's six sentences. Okay, time to scroll past seven giant full screen ads and like six more sentences and more full screen ads, right? And and uh and you say people, on your phone because you don't
1: have ad block on your phone. I assume. Yeah. Right. Yeah.
0: Um uh, but but even if you say like, you know, I don't want to, you know, I know that like sites earn their money from advertisements, so I don't want to run an ad blocker and uh they're egregious about it, you know. It's just That's some, everywhere. It, Sometimes you'll have a you'll have a site where like you'll go to the site and you won't see anything because there's a giant full screen ad that you then have to scroll completely down past to get to the, the website. Um, and it's interesting that, that that's just a matter of course for certain kinds of content. But like let's say you went to watch a play, a play in person, right? And every three to four minutes, they would pause the scene and some person would run out onto the stage and start telling you about this amazing new bleach. You mean something. you mean the
1: – like you're literally describing the original soap opera, the definition. Because you know that soap yep. – the reason <laughs> that soap operas are called soap operas is because they were televised plays and they would come in and sell soap in the middle yep. of it, right? Yeah. That's why it was called a soap opera. Yep, so you're, yeah. you're just describing – like you're describing something that you're, as if it's f- fantastical and absurd. But that is – how was, just television. <laughs> how TV came to be was it started as a play and they were like how do we monetize this oh let's sell soap in the middle of it right And yeah. now there you go yeah but
0: uh, you know like there are certain places where nowadays like you don't you don't see that right um, and you don't see that in like a in a book it wouldn't be like okay now that this chapter is done we're gonna have a chapter where we tell you about soap and then go back to the main story of the book right um, maybe we'll get there. We, <laughs> we, we
1: are at the place where if you buy a if you buy a Kindle, an Amazon Kindle, uh you have two options. One is you can get the one with ads mm-hmm. for twenty fewer buckaroonies. Uh working yep. with the without ads. And if you get the one with ads, then just when the screen is like when the screen is like when it's off, like when you don't have the Kindle running you know, and you're about to boot it up, it's just, just showing you a random fucking advertisement. Right? <laughs> so they don't put it they don't put it in the book. Yet it's just on the on the when it's Kindle. on the On the Kindle. Yeah, but I find it. I think it's all context based because there's there's actually there's so I I despise them in this way we're talking about which is when they're in the way for a thing that you are trying that you are knowingly trying to get to so uh, yeah but the pre-roll before a YouTube video uh, you know popping into like like read a news article or like see a news article or a news um, a news of some sort. And there's like a minute long Honda ad that you cannot skip before you get to. I'm like, I'm, I'm done. Like I'm leaving. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, and, and did a magazine you, but magazine you because like half of all pages in a magazine are are ads, and so like you can't right. trying to find something that's actual content. You know, is, it a yeah. Weird, but yeah. Sam, hmm.
0: did did you buy the Honda though? Because if mean, you I did,
1: then it worked. The okay. Oh, so yeah, but I think hmm. that the context was really important because I think these ones that like interrupt stuff are the thing that we're we're always talking about, and everyone's I think. Always comes off my when It's like, how much do you hate ads, right? Um, but actually, I've had an, it. There's been an interesting sort of a switch for me because, so I like I've been using Instagram, right, a little bit, and because I'm not looking for something in particular, right, because I'm essentially browsing, you're sort of scrolling through some stuff, uh, and they the ads look exactly like content, and because they're targeted and very effectively, might I add, it's always for games on like Kickstarter. Cool, weird ass gadgets and stuff. And then, and then like other just like cool, cool things that I actually am interested in as a person on like a general product category level. And so I see is all interesting cat things. Mm -hmm. It's cat things and tattoo things because that's all that I look at on my Instagram. Yeah. It's weirdly enough, like Instagram is the only place where I do find myself actually looking at the ads, for one, and then being like, huh, like I probably like once a week I'll click through on something and go kind of read about whatever the fuck the, the thing is, right? Um, and I don't mind it at all for some reason. I think it's because of the browsing context. I'm not trying to get to I'm not trying to get to a place and they're not interrupting me. They're just sort of inserting. Yeah, you're already looking at random shit. You don't even know what's coming. Exactly. So who cares, <laughs> exactly. Who cares like, if you get random shit that's an advertisement? Yes. Yeah, it somehow works, works out just fine. Um, and then, of course, well, there's... But, okay.
0: so, so, the, so the question I have about ads, though, from that from that viewpoint. Cause there's a really interesting uh uh two-part freakonomics episode called it's just called Does Advertising Actually Work? Mm-hmm. And they of course they talk to a lot of people from the advertising industry who were like, Of course. And then they talk to CEOs who were like, well, we spent a lot of money on it, so I'd like to think so. <laughs> and then and then they talk to uh statisticians who are like, Nope. There's no way to know. Right. Um and which and is the, which the, is the right answer is that yeah is and the, the fundamental <laughs> the fundamental question there is is what's the cost benefit right because advertising is expensive and if it if if it works as well as people think like claim that it does then it's worth it is worth the money but in order for an ad to be effective it would have to convince someone who was otherwise unconvinced to do something that they otherwise weren't gonna do. The idea
1: right? of advertising is you're printing money, right? Because yeah. you spend some of the money to advertise and then you make more money off of that because people wouldn't have bought it and now
0: they well, would not have
1: bought and it. And then right? you so, come out in the black as a consequence of doing it.
0: Yeah. That. So like let's say you're a candy bar manufacturer, you've got your delicious candy bar, you make it, it's amazing, you What's market it called? test it. It's called slammers. Mm-hmm. Yep. So you've got your slammers. Because uh, people slam them into their mouths because they're so good, mm-hmm. right? So you you take your you got your your packaging is very interesting and cool and it and it stands out next to the other candy bars. You've market tested it. The flavor is great. People love it. And you've worked with all of these grocery stores to and like you know gas stations and whatever to get that candy bar placed right there by the register. You know. So you can maximize on that impulse buy mm-hmm. thing, right? So now that you've lined up all those dominoes, the one final thing is like if – for you to justify spending money on advertising, that now has to be the thing that like moves somebody from definitely not buying your candy bar into definitely buying the candy bar, right? Mm-hmm. Um, the problem is you just don't know. No, there's, there's just no There's no Absolutely, no way to know which people those are. There's a there's a a common quote that that people in marketing point to, which is I was some I think CEO or or marketing guy from I don't know early 1900s or something, who was like half of my money that I spend on advertising is wasted problem is i don't know which
1: half (laughs) (laughs) well Um, this is the dream of targeted advertising right is that you you find those people based on their interests and and whatever and you show them you show them the right ad at the right time so that
0: but again it's people because and this is this is where targeted advertising even becomes even weirdly weirdly harder to justify because it's like here's somebody who i i am confident is interested in buying a new car right um, because of uh, some aspect of that, I've been able to target using my algorithms. I'm pretty confident that this person is going to buy a new car. Uh, you show them the ad for your car, and for that money to have been worth worth it, that person wasn't going to consider buying your car. They weren't going to buy the car, and now they are going to buy your car instead of
1: any of the other options. And by that person, you mean enough as high enough fraction of those people to offset the cost of you spending money mm-hmm. targeting yeah. all of those people because of the very high markup. So in the case of like a car or a mattress or whatever, the markup is so high. You can spend a fuckload of advertising dollars uh, before you are to, in order to break. You. So, so I think this is actually the crux of it is that depending on what you're selling yeah. and who you're selling to, because if you're trying to sell a candy bar, a candy bar costs a few bucks. Right. So like, uh, your margin gonna, on that is – Your margin is tiny. If you're trying to sell a mobile game, mm-hmm. a premium mobile game, again, a few bucks, right? The margin is very tight. If you're trying to sell an indie title for maybe 20 bucks, it's still pretty tight because advertising is very expensive. Mm-hmm. If you're also, now selling you know, an $80 – a $60 AAA title with 10 uh, DLCs, each one that's 20 bucks, and then infinite in-app purchases, right? Then like – okay, now you got a really wide margin here uh, before – your spend doesn't – or can't possibly result in actually printing money.
0: But it's also possible that you just threw the money away.
1: Yeah. Right? I mean, I, we know, I'm pretty confident that for level head, all of our advertising money was basically thrown away.
0: And I think that's probably true of, of most advertising money in most cases, probably. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm even thinking about like uh, – one thing we know is a candy crush. You know, They, they spent – what did they spend? A half a billion dollars a year. On advertising, right, and they're pretty well convinced that that is how they are able to sustain their revenues, right? Um, it's it's actually hard to say though whether or not whether or not having spent that money is what allowed them to stay there or not, right? Because you can't, you can't split the universe. Like, there's no, there's no other universe where they just didn't spend that money and stayed at the top of the charts because they did spend that money.
1: It's spent now. Yeah, I think to me, it, it, all this stuff comes back to this basically the, this weird place you get to when you're making a product where you're like, I need to tell people about this. Uh, I, I do need to let people know that this exists. And there's this thing called advertising where you you pay to get in front of people to show yeah, them that this right, thing exists. That's the purpose. Uh, but all the all of the data and all the studies by and large can't actually say with a degree of certainty that that thing by itself will be be a profitable thing for you to do right or, or that that letting people know about your product via the mechanism of ads is, right, right. is the thing that will allow you to you know, yeah print money but you're still you you 're like, well what the fuck else?" does one do that? Well, that's exactly it, is, is you don't have other options. Well, actually, that's not true. You you do have other options. This is where, going like for games, going to conventions, this is one of the ideas that people have. Like, if I show my game at a convention so that there's, you know, thousands of people who walk by it uh, or that's, that certain people who have influence walk by it or whatever. Um, same deal with, like, having somebody play your game on a stream. It's it's mm-hmm. This is all the same idea, right? Which is, these are all these different channels by which you can you can get people's eyeballs on your product, uh, with the goal of those being the right eyeballs on the right product, that it results in people buying it. The one there's only one you can control, which is spending money on advertising. Yeah, and that's actually the reason I think that that advertising is so popular and so common is because it is. And we even think about this with Levelhead, right? We got no coverage of Levelhead by the press mm-hmm. at all, right? Uh, and also no streamers. The only the one thing that we had control over and that worked in the sense that people saw it was we spent money on YouTube ads in particular, right? But but ads in general. Um, so the only reason that we were able to show Levelhead to people, uh, ourselves on purpose, was by spending ad money. But on the other hand, the only places it really seemed to matter – was when the storefront showed it to people which we didn't have to pay for right so uh but those weren't guaranteed that those those could have not happened and so i think this is why advertising is so is so popular and and we just kind of all assume that it's doing something is because it is the one thing that we can you control. directly do yeah, yeah. it's yeah. right it's almost more i think you should think about it more like an insurance policy uh for ma- being able to to say with some degree of certainty that you were able to make sure some people saw your product. Right. It's not an insurance policy in the sense that For selling at all. It now. works, right? Right. Yeah. For the sense that, that people, and I think there's actually there, there's this there's this general thing that, that we all have, which is the idea that we have to do something, right? Like we yeah that, that if we don't that if we don't do something, then we're then we're failing in some way, right? And there's some scenarios in which there is nothing that can be done, right, that actually moves mm-hmm. things forward, but but still the natural human response behavior is to do something anyway right right. like a lot of surgeries are necessary for this exact reason right it's like you Mm -hmm. don't act you can't actually like fix this or do really do much about it but it feels it feels better somehow to like to 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 say like i did what
0: i could i did what i could yes yeah but yeah yeah, i think it's a placebo
1: effect right because like we already we already went on a rant a few episodes ago about fake medicine right but (laughs) it's the same it's the same deal right it's like it's you might even know that this is that this the stuff that you're taking is bullshit, right? Um, and and is not real medicine, but you f- felt like you did something, right? And the fact is that doing something has a placebo effect, which for people is great, for a business that doesn't do jack shit, right? Uh, <laughs> well, and, but the, it's easy it, to confuse these things.
0: Yeah, in the in the free economics episode, they kept coming back to this this mantra that like so many people were saying, which is this like if advertising didn't work then why would so many companies be spending so much money on it
1: mhm it's very silly to look at which it. is a very
0: silly thing to say yeah
1: um, Well, there's also an explanation for it that is unrelated to its effectiveness which is the arms race aspect so so one thing you'll notice mm-hmm. if you do if you do ever find yourself spending money on advertising um one of the things that will be recommended to you um either by the software that's doing it or by the people that you talked with is to directly advertise against your competitors so that when you're so like so let's take like like uh let's take level head right we could pay google or whoever to say hey when people search for mario maker show them level head right we can pay to do that uh and they will encourage us to do that because on the one hand that drives up like that fucking drives up like crazy the how much everybody has to pay for advertising right because now we're in a bidding war to get those eyeballs because you know obviously nintendo doesn't care about us they're not gonna that's not a real thing but in, in a context where that was happening you now have two companies both trying to make sure the other one doesn't steal its eyeballs and you see this constantly. like every time you do a google search and then you like for some mm-hmm. for some product and then the top th- you know the the top sponsored results are our competitors of that product this is like this is by design right uh and we've even had this when we when we first started trying advertising on uh on the app store mm-hmm. um one of the things that we were like, oh yeah, you should also be using, like when people are, you should use Crashlands. So we were trying out with Crashlands. They we are like, you should use Crashlands as a term. Yeah, use Which, it for your own name too to make sure no one else can show up. Right, and then the and then the stupid thing about it was then, we, then we're looking at our advertising results and we're like, oh, actually this is really effective because, because we can actually see the, like, oh, people who are, who, we can see people clicking on our ads and like, and actually then buying the game, right? Except almost every single person who did that was searching for Crashlands, right? Because again,
0: so, an ad is only worth the money, if it convinces somebody to act who
1: otherwise wasn't going mm-hmm. to already. Or right? in the case of now what it's used for, it's for business warfare, right? So now it can be yeah. useful mm-hmm. if it prevents somebody from going to your competitor, right? Yeah. And so, I so think the, this is so what it is. Of if the, you say,
0: if you say, like, uh, you know, I got, I, there's like six billboards in my town and I've got a car dealership and, you know, Steve on the other side of town, he's got a car yep. dealership.
1: And now you, now you each bid to, to, it,
0: yeah, on that billboard. If Steve gets all the billboards and suddenly everybody's going to know about his car dealership, they're not going to know about my car right. dealership, mm-hmm. um, which is, you know, maybe, right? Well, and there's but, truth. I mean, there's truth all- to
1: this. Like, like, some of these things are effective, right? Because, and this is also why, you know, car dealerships stamp their name on the back of everybody's cars when they sell them to you, right, Uh, is because like, especially like going around St. Louis, there's like, there's a handful of those that I've seen a million times, right? So now if I, it is the case that if I go Google, like, oh, should I do need a new car? I'll go Google it the one that i recognize is the one i'm going to click on first that is what is going to happen right so probably not though probably
0: the one that they have paid to be at the top of your yeah, that's true. Actually, search results
1: that's true. right <laughs> so so um, i mean yeah so I, I don't think it's fair to say that like this stuff doesn't work or anything i think it's it's that it's a lot more nuanced right and i think that the fact that cuz the the crux of all of this is that there are there are finite like that people's attention is a finite resource right yes And if you're trying to tell people about the thing that you have, you have to somehow get access to that finite resource that other people also want. And this is sort of – this is what advertising is all about is – and this is also why it's so fucking expensive and why it's so competitive and why it it actually creates business-to-business warfare. And the end result of that for a particular combination of product and market uh, could very well be that it is absolutely not worth it. And what we have found for us for making premium games, especially trying to sell them in the mobile space, and where in particular – Advertising is extremely expensive because of how how much it's been driven up by AAA and by mobile free to play titles. That advertising in our space is so expensive that our business model is not compatible with it. It just it just can't work. Yep. Uh, and is especially in the context of where we can get free promotion, actually, so I guess a thirty percent of our cut, resulting in. Yeah. Quote unquote free promotion, yeah. right? Uh, <laughs> yeah. By by getting featured on the stores, um, if we, but the, but again, that's not a process we control. It's a it's a random process. The question um, really is is after you after you launch a game, whether it does well or does poorly, uh, how would you feel if you could have spent some money on advertising but didn't? In both of those scenarios, well, this is also that's, that's this this is a, this them, a right? FOMO, right? This is a FOMO mm-hmm. problem, right? Which it's a dangerous way to think because that only still works if if advertising works right in the first oh, yeah. place. I know, but I, this, is, this is to me more so the back to your point about almost the placebo effect on the right. business team, Yeah, which right, is like, exactly this is why people do it. Cause they're afraid if they didn't do it and they look back. Yeah. yeah if, yeah. if sales are bad
0: and you're in a, you're in an exec in a meeting with the boss mm-hmm. and the boss is, you know, just chewing people out and why is, why is our, why are our numbers so bad? And then the boss points to some chart. that's like, Advertising expenditures, zero. What
1: the fuck right. is that? Well, gonna, what's what's yeah. going
0: on with this? Why didn't we advertise? It's right. the whole, Bro. it's the,
1: it's the beauty of the, of being in the advertising industry, right? Is that it's like selling snake oil or anything else, right? Like some snake oils might do something, you know, who knows, right? But, but because there's no way to know, there is no way to know if the, if the advertising spend was the right move, then if you don't do it, and things don't work out you can attribute the failure to not having ads if it does mm-hmm. work out and you did you buy ads you can attribute the success to having bought ads
0: well mm-hmm. you you can you can't justify it but you can attribute it yeah yeah no, to. yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> right, you can not attribute it as in like like that was what happened but as in yeah. like you can you, you can believe that that's that, that, that's why yeah. and Is there's no to, there's no way to prove otherwise because there's yeah. no way to know right and then finally if you're successful and didn't spend advertising dollars now you can think oh Maybe we would have been even more successful had we bought ads, right? Mm-hmm. So there's no, there's no way. There's no. Ad- I just want to. No I just, just want to point out here.
0: It. I just want to point out here that every time I've I've seen a movie in the theaters, you know, in the before time, uh, every time I've seen a movie in the theaters, as I am sitting in the chair before the movie starts, I see a, a 45 second long Coca Cola advertisement. Yep. Every time, mm-hmm. I am already in the chair. I am not going back out to the concession stand to buy a $17 Coke, right? Uh, and also, I don't go buy a Coke at all, anytime. I've, I have not bought a Coke in like 15 years. <laughs> I don't know. I, I, w- once the world was plunged into a, into a global pandemic, I began buying caffeine-free Diet Coke to mix with my rum, that was the catalyzing event that caused me to start purchasing <laughs> Coca-Cola. <laughs> yeah.
1: And it's because and you had Coke before. And so, you, like, because we grew up, like, our, our mom was always stocking Diet Coke. Like, we just had Diet Coke in the fr- fridge all the time. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's why today you drink Diet Coke. It's
0: not because you've Well, seen- no. It's actually it's actually just because I know of a drink called rum and Coke, and I didn't want to drink straight rum. Yeah, yeah. But right. but then the reason— to- <laughs> Yeah, yeah,
1: Sure. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, but then like, but even the idea of like go, going to buy Diet Coke for that purpose and so on, right? It's it's not because you're because the point that you're making is it's not because you're seeing those ads. But I guess uh, I would disagree because like the trailers for other movies come up before the movie, and that that in the before times was also the way that I would be like oh shit yeah i'm gonna go see that one yeah but again this this is because context matters right i think i think the idea the idea that ads just do or don't work is is just is just wrong it's a a nuanced thing that has to do with the industry your product and your market um but i i think it is probably the case that for because like the things that we're pointing at are like movies and like and like car dealerships, like things with like you know, these like high margins and so on, right? Like there's and they actually have a small number of products, right? There aren't a lot of car companies, there aren't a lot of cars, uh, there aren't a lot of dealerships. There aren't a lot of movies, right? Like these are very finite. I think once you get into the space where there's a fuckload of stuff, right? Where there's a lot of competition, I think the default stance should be that advertising is probably not worth it. Mm Because that is the space where it is the most expensive because there's so many competitors in that space, right? And so that is the space where the margin is going to get as close as possible to zero, right? But because advertising has to be a faith-based act, Mm -hmm. right, buying ads, then that means that there will be people who spend more money than they could possibly make on ads, which means that the net effect is that you can only buy ads at a rate that you cannot get a return from. Yes, which so I, think I think is what you've seen in the, the mobile space. Yeah. yeah, the mobile gaming space in the last two, two or three years has yep. definitely breached into that. Where they're like, yeah, it's like an eight dollar cost per install. I'm like, the fuck. Yeah. In what? What? <laughs> in what world are? <laughs> yeah. How can you possibly gonna- make right? And the only way you could do it is if there's a way for someone to spend a thousand dollars so that they can. Well, and you know is the other, you know, but even the longest, people. I
0: don't know. It's hard. you know that that what? It's like two percent of people spend money on a mobile on a mobile game on average, right? Yeah. So if each install costs you eight dollars on average, mm-hmm. then that means you need to be making four hundred dollars per paying user well, this on this, average. This
1: is the, this is the <laughs> thing from in games industry. I think last year they did that big breakout where it was like the av- the, the cost of advertising to get a to get a single paying user into your game. It was like 30 $32. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like, how Which much do think is that that be user has to spend $32 on average. just yeah. to Break even. Yeah. And just like, for
0: you to not go bankrupt. Yeah. There's no way yeah.
1: the average, I mean, maybe I, maybe I'm just like out of touch with how, how, just how much money some of these, uh, some of these, these, uh, games in the upper echelons make, but like the, the idea of the average spend for a free to play game being $32, um, just seems a bit. Well, but I think a lot of what you're also. Well, I think what, what you're also saying, because because they're also because we're talking about like the direct, you know, you you buy a user and that user spends money. And when I say buy a user, I mean that's what you refer to do as mm-hmm. user acquisition. Give them an ad, you spend money, and then they come in, so you call that buying user. So so you do that. But the other thing that you can do if you spend enough money is push your game up to the top of a chart, yep. right? Yep. And then the side effect of that is that you now get free advertising because you're mm-hmm. on the top of a chart. Right, and by free, I mean because obviously you spent money to get there, but I mean like you didn't pay directly for that for that thing, and and I think that's actually where the uh, the an enormous fraction of 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 eyeball value right for like for the games industry comes from is from tops of charts, and so you might spend a fuckload of money to get up there and a lot of money to stay up there, but now you actually have this this feedback effect, right? Where the cost to get into that echelon is astronomical and most people can't afford it. And it's also extremely risky because if you don't get all the way up there, you're not making that money back. You just threw that money away. Right. And, but if you do, and you can, and you can stay up there then, and at the, and high enough up there, right? So if you can spend enough, and this is actually what, this is kind of our hypothesis with even like with Levelhead, uh, was that advertising at a low level doesn't do anything and can't. And what you actually need from advertising in, in our space, in the game space is that its purpose? Is if you can spend enough money to burst yourself up to into, get, the right, life to category, get into the organic, right? To get into the organic stuff, then that's actually where the value comes from. But the cost of doing that, like, so if you're if you're just going for like pure user acquisition, that's the goal. It is just not it's not tenable in games. Um, so what you're what you're saying here, Adam? If I'm just gonna if I can kind of like
0: really compress this into a diamond, mm-hmm. you know, is that is that the companies that make money off of advertising are psychological arms dealers. Yes. Playing both sides of the conflict that Absolutely. they created. Right. So, because think about it. Like, it's what even the, worse what because the, the fucking app stores themselves sell ads, right? Yes. Yep. Yeah. Through their own searches and stuff like yeah. that. Um, yeah. Because if you think about it, what are some of the, the most profitable companies in the world? We're looking like Facebook, Google, Apple. Right. Um, I don't, I don't think Amazon is one of the most profitable because their margins are very tight, but, mm-hmm. uh, but, but I they think do, also, they do
1: move an enormous amount of money though. They area. do. Yeah. But also do they advertise? But, I can't even think of having seen an Amazon advertisement. <laughs> they just are where you go. Everybody like, that's just how you buy. Yeah. Well,
0: as you mm-hmm. walk around, you see their boxes that everyone's, you know, pushed, yeah, that's true, or, yeah. You know, so every delivery like is an Amazon. ad. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's, uh, yeah, the, the real winner here, because you know people talk about, like, oh my gosh, like Candy Crush made like two billion dollars, but they spent half a billion on advertising, right? Well, there's a lot more Candy Crushes out there, also spending a half billion on advertising mm-hmm. every year. So the real winner here is just whoever whoever owns the billboard and has convinced both car dealerships. Mm-hmm. To bid against each other because it's like, well, now that this billboard is up, like, you got to spend the money. I, mean, I put the billboard up.
1: It's a prisoner's dilemma you,
0: situation. And now right? this is your problem, right? Well, but yeah, but yeah. then
1: it gets hilarious again because, like, as as anybody who's gone to GDC before as a developer, you can't, <laughs> throw, you can't throw a rock without hitting an advertisement company, a new one. Right. Hey, I dude. wish I could throw rocks. <laughs> 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 to be honest, yeah, well, like say The everywhere. number of dead-end conversations I've had because that was just oh yeah, Ugh. that's hilarious. Uh but it, but now we have these now now advertising companies also need to at, like they're competing against each other for the advertising dollars, right? So they so need to advertise at GDC
0: mm-hmm. to convince everybody else to advertise to get, on their Platform. Right. So so yeah. now you get
1: this like just <laughs> layer on layer on layer, and of course that means they have very high overhead because they're spending all their money on advertising against each other in order to sell more advertising. Like the whole thing. Like
0: yeah. So the problem here is like it's like the nuclear uh, the nuclear uh, proliferation race, yeah. problem. It's like yeah. if everybody just didn't, then this would not be a problem. But of course, because if any one person decides to drop even a penny to put their car dealership on that billboard, then somebody else is like.
1: I mean, now i got to drop my penny, two pennies. If
0: I if I drop two pennies, then I can get their name off that billboard and put my name on that billboard. And then boom, 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 suddenly it's $40,000 to put your name on a billboard. For questionable so, reasons, yeah. And nobody really knows even whether it works, but you could definitely say that it, at least it's not the other guy's name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yep. what That's, how you <laughs>
1: That's how I feel about advertising. That's how I feel about advertising.
0: Uh, okay, well I think that's probably all the time we have for this week Then, <laughs> uh, So we'd like to Thank our producers Fat Bard and Jen Costa, For putting the podcast together And thanks to our community moderators Who keep our Discord running To get more involved in the Butterscotch community Go to podcast.bscotch.net We have links to the Discord A way for you to donate And links to the podcast archives Thank you all for listening We'll see you next week bye. Bye